This podcast is intended to motivate, educate, support, and inspire you on your journey towards inner peace. We are not medical professionals, and we do not offer any medical advice. If you are suffering from a psychological or medical condition, please seek the advice of a licensed medical professional. Hello, listeners and friends. Welcome to another episode of A Witch, A Mystic, and A Feminist Podcast. We are back, and today we have an amazing guest who is so special to me that my heart is literally jumping outside myself to introduce this human. I know we do a lot of mystical, magical episodes here with amazing guests that hold deep meaning to ourselves and our journeys. However, today... Today, we are going to dive into the life and the culture of the LGBTQ plus community with a dear friend of mine, a dear friend of ours. We wanted to share the journey and the story of this amazing human being, and I'm so honored to have them on our show. We are not only allies of the community, but we are also part of the community in many ways, and we are so, so very proud of that. It is important and necessary to share the story of self-authenticity and self-awareness of self-love and respect for knowing who they are and where they fit into this world. It is my honor and privilege to introduce my dear friend and someone I consider family, student, activist, and all-around amazing human being, Hayden Garbez. Welcome to our show, and thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) As we have already said, and even in our mic checks and everything previous to recording, we're just so grateful for you to be no here problem. to share your story and your journey. I'm excited. We are. We are too. We can't wait to ask all the questions. <laughs> ask me everything. <laughs> so honestly, we really want to jump right into it. I know you have such a story and a journey to share that I think it is really important for our community, our listeners, people to hear and understand because this is our world today. And I'm so grateful that it is, mm-hmm. to be very honest. It should be. So I think your journey is something that um, needs to be heard. And I, I mean, let's just, yeah, let's, know, do let's it. just start I right from the beginning. On. <laughs> let's, let's just jump into it. Um, but yes, I mean, can you share a little bit about your personal journey of, you know, self-discovery and kind of coming into terms with your, yeah. your gender so, identity? As I said, I was born on, <laughs> no, just um, yeah, I, <laughs> oh, so I'll just introduce myself first, I suppose. Um, hello. <laughs> my yeah. my name is Hayden Garbez, but my friends call me Hayes. Use whichever you prefer. I don't really mind. Um, <laughs> um, I mainly use like they them pronouns just because I think it's more fun to not be like confined into like a box. And I feel like I've gotten the most out of being more authentic in myself, I guess, in that way. So that's usually mm-hmm. what I use. Mm-hmm. Um, but Surprise, surprise. I was born a girl. And so, um, so yeah, I, I was assigned female at birth and grew up, socialized as a girl. And then I was like always considered, I guess, like a tomboy, which was mm-hmm. mainly it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would not for the life of me put on a skirt or dress until I was like 11, somewhere around there. It was not my vibe. 
It was not my vibe. <laughs> I think I, I remember. would prefer to be outside <laughs> playing sports in my Spider-Man costume. Life was good. <laughs> um, but then, you know, the wonders <laughs> of preview Bessons hit. And that's when really socially and like around you or like in school and like middle school and all that is when gender really gets pushed more on you. And so because I was assigned female at birth, I was like yeah. given kind of like societal expectations that were like being put on me. And I was just like, I don't know if that necessarily fits. And so I don't know. I was struggling with that and struggling with also just like how I look and all that things. And I was like, I would think I would maybe prefer to be more like masculine. And but then like it was a, a lot more deeper than that, I guess. Like mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. I have this little like core memory when I was like five or something. My grandpa gave me one of these little like prayer boxes or something like that. It was like a Native American wish dream box prayer thing. I don't really know what it's called. And I remember mm-hmm. writing in that I would like to be a boy. And that was what I put in there when I was like five. That and young. Then, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I remember that fully. So that was always kind of like a thing, but I didn't know there was like a word for what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, or like what that really meant. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Yeah. It was just kind of like little things like that growing up, I guess, that I could like point out specifically. And then uh I was like, ooh, twelve and like in the middle of female puberty, and I was just like, No, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is yeah, not for not me, for please. Me. But like I've said that too. No, and I think every I think everybody <laughs> fully says that, but I guess just like yeah. I don't know. To me, it was a little bit mm-hmm. different. I don't know how else to really explain it besides just being like, this is not right. And so I don't even really remember where I found the word transgender, but I genuinely cannot tell you. I think it might have been like a Caitlyn Jenner interview, mm. I think, because mm-hmm. I came out okay. in the early part of 2016, which was, it was like a little bit right after she had come out. And did like an interview with like Diane Sawyer or somebody like that. And I remember seeing that and I was just like, oh, that's a thing. Yes, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to really explain that. But yeah, so it was, I I came out like a little bit less than a year after like same-sex marriage was legalized in America. So it was like a little bit early. I was 12 or 13. No, I think I was 12. Mm -hmm. I can't really remember the exact age, but it was like May of 2016. Um, somewhere around there. I wrote my mom a letter and I hid the letter and I went to school and I said, mom, there's a letter somewhere for you. (laughs) Go read it. Cause I, I don't know why I have such like trouble telling people like really big things to like their face for some reason, even if it's not bad. Mm -hmm. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I've got a little block on that. I don't know what that's about, but, um, (laughs) I was just like, yeah. So I I wrote her a letter. I hid it in the kitchen. I said, go to this place in the kitchen. There is something for you whenever you want. And I don't know, it was like a couple hours after, I guess she had maybe read it or something, or after I sent that text, I was in school, I think it was like seventh grade or something like that. And I don't know, I just got a text being like, well, we'll always support you. And thank you for telling us. It was very sweet. I was in science class just crying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was was really sweet. Um, But yeah, so that was, I guess, kind of how I got to like the coming out stage. And then after mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. been a time. And a, a time. Yeah. Can you 
speak to any of that time challenges? <laughs> For sure. Um, <laughs> you know, being trans in middle school in Florida and high school is a roughie. If you lo- want to like look at like mm-hmm. how Florida right. is right now specifically, it was like always kind of like that, but now it's just being accepted politically and legally. Um, basically, on the situation in Florida is just lots of discriminatory bans against people that are LGBTQ. Um, they actually just passed something that affects all public school, like public universities in Florida, that if a faculty member uses the quote-unquote wrong bathroom, as they like to describe it as, that they are on the grounds to not be fired for it. Can you believe that? A full oh adult. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. So. I just went to a restaurant the other day that had unisex bathrooms. Yeah. So. The Kansas City airport has unisex bathrooms. Kansas City. <laughs> they don't have single gender <laughs> bathrooms. They right. have yeah. It's just, you just walk in there and it's just stalls of everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I oh know. My God. But yeah, so it was really weird for me, I guess, because I didn't really get bullied, which is a great thing, but I know a lot of people that did. I think I was just, I didn't interact with anybody in like the end of like middle school, Mm -hmm. high school. I was just so like hermit shell type of person. Not really the case anymore, but that's definitely how it was. I, I think it was all just mainly like stuff in my head. That was making it rough. Granted, there was a lot of mm-hmm. like in-person outer exchange things that were not the best. Like I didn't have the best time with like the first therapist I had or like mm-hmm. my endocrinologist or things like that. But when it comes to like school and stuff, like no one really, this might sound sad, but like no one really like talked to me because I didn't talk to them. I don't know. I didn't really crave really any like social interaction just because I was so uncomfortable with myself and being perceived by anybody else. So I just didn't. Um, But like, I know that people knew, but people didn't like talk to me about it, like transitioning. Because granted, in middle school, I was a girl. And then I came into freshman year with like a legally changed first name looking completely different, like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was definitely like people knew, but weren't actually addressing it. When I came into high school, people that I didn't even go to middle school with would sometimes like, like, I remember this one time in study hall. This boy was sitting next to me and he didn't go to my middle school. But when I came into high school, like my first name was already legally changed. So there's no way he would have known like my birth name. But he just kept calling me it over and over and over in this class in a dead silent room. I'm like, what gives? But like, (laughs) I don't know. But it was just like more like microaggressions, I would have to say, Mm. or like things like that rather than like full fledged like bullying, which like it's still not great. But it was definitely better than I know a lot of people's other experiences were. So I do recognize I was very lucky in that sense. Um, And I have always just had like a pretty supportive bubble, whether that's like with my family or people that I was close friends with, like they were really accepting and like really fast. I don't know, like changed like some of their language and stuff and things like that. It was great. Um, But I would have to say probably the more rough bits of discovering myself was having to go through like the more like professional s- system and stuff like mm. that. Cause like they were just obviously not very educated. And if they thought they were educated, they, I would have to say Weren't. probably <laughs> not really so much. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how I would touch on that. 
Can we go into a little bit about the support system that you have? And you said that when you were about 12 years old, you Mm -hmm. wrote a letter to your mom. And so that opened up the conversation with your parents with regards mm-hmm. to how you were feeling. And as a parent, my mm-hmm. my child is non-binary and also goes by they, them. That's their pronouns. And when they told me, it was like, okay. And for me, just as the generation that I grew up in, mm-hmm. the whole they, them, doesn't yeah, it's still hard for me fair. to wrap my head around. Um, and how they expressed it to me is they don't feel seen when generalized as, as she, her, and again, still generation and years of of that um, wrapping my head around that. But sorry, I digress. <laughs> Going back to your yeah. support system and opening up that conversation, how did the conversation of transitioning go with your parents? How did that transpire? Well, it did not originally start off as a, okay, let's do this thing, I would have to say. And this right. isn't me airing them out or anything. It's just like they didn't know what <laughs> that meant. So, mm-hmm. like, how do you right. approach something that big when you don't even really know what it is? Um, yeah, I mean, right. like, just like how everybody else kind of like in my circle, they've had to grow a lot in that sense and like understanding this like new piece of information and working with that. Um, so I was very thankful for them to, you know, be willing to do that because a lot of people's parents just don't. They just don't touch that. And they say, you could mm-hmm. figure that right. out when you move out, when you're 18 mm-hmm. type of thing. Right. So, like, I knew that they weren't obviously going to, like, kick me out of the house or anything because that's not who my parents are. Like, they've always been pretty, like, accepting right. of the LGBTQ community, like, very much so. And so, um, but, yeah, I so, like, I wrote the letter and, like, we didn't talk about it, I don't think, for a while. Because, mm-hmm. like, well, to, to be honest, I will also put in here that I don't have a really good memory of that time. My brain kind of blocked a lot of things out around that time. So, I don't really have the best mm-hmm. memory when it comes to, like... I don't know, like ages 11 to 14. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a blank. But from what I do remember, I don't think we talked about it for a while. But then when we did, it was like a very like serious late night conversation. Lots of crying, lots of just being mm-hmm. like, well, we need to know exactly how you're feeling. And I'm like, but I don't know. <laughs> like, it was just like, <laughs> I, I'm a right. child. I don't know exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like a very gut feeling type of thing. Where it's just like, you can't really place it too well into words, but like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, just like how growing up was for me and my experiences and how I saw myself versus how others saw me was always very different. And so that's kind of where I was coming from mainly on that. But yeah, okay. so like when we did finally have a conversation, talk about it, it was like, okay, so we need to like, because they didn't have the resources because granted it was 2016. And while that doesn't sound like a long time ago, when it comes to like progress and like the trans community, that was a very early time. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it was a very yeah, early. So, you know, it was like, okay, so we should probably go talk to like your pediatrician to see if they have resources. So we went to go like see yeah. her and she was not educated in the slightest. That woman sent me to a conversion therapist and that was a time and a half. Oh. I only went for one session because I walked out of there being like, this was not what we thought it was. Because oh. like, <laughs> I walked in there and there's just crosses everywhere. Oh and all of her oh. questions mm. about how I see myself, her questions were basically just around like, so how do you think God will see this? 
And I'm just like, I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> How am I supposed to know that? That's right. Yeah, it was basically just like, well, what do you say to like people that say, well, God made you this way? And I'm just like, made you as a girl, so you have to stay a girl because God made you that way. And I was just like, I'm 12. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and like I didn't grow right. up religious either, so I didn't really have a context for the, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like oh so weird. Now I walked out there being like, this was not it. No, we need to go find someone else. And then we didn't go see someone for like another like two years after that because we were just like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now what? what? Yeah. Now what? Now where do exactly. we go? But yeah. then. I don't know. It was kind of like a catch-22 that my anxiety kept growing just in general, not even related to like my gender identity, but just with so many other things as well, to where I had to go see like an anxiety specialist, psychologist when I was like 14. And luckily, she was also well-versed in that arena. So shout out to Dr. Lori. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So and then... Then it, when I met her, things started to get a bit better because she actually knew what she was talking about and wasn't trying to change anything, just trying to make me more mm-hmm. like expand my brain, I guess, to kind of see how I'm feeling and in what ways and how she could be of assistance and all that. Like she was the one that ended up like years later writing like my letters to start like hormone therapy or to get like uh-huh. top surgery or stuff like that. Like we love. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yay, Dr. Lori. Awesome. <laughs> did you and your parents have to go to therapy together before your transition like is that something that you kind of like what i was like saying earlier during like the the mic test like i can't have anybody listening to me when i'm spilling my guts out like (laughs) 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 yeah um at least not while it's happening just later when we know exactly you can find out then but until then (laughs) it's not how it's working (laughs) um yeah it was never like one offer to us and two like we've always had pretty good communication Mm -hmm. I feel like as a family so it wasn't really needed and there Mm -hmm. wasn't like any tensions going on at all to where like it was like required because they were accepting usually I I have heard that like people's parents that aren't too accepting like they will have like a group session together to see where each side is coming from but we were on pretty much the same page to where I don't just really wasn't needed which was cool Mm -hmm. I guess but yeah (laughs) But yeah, so it wasn't like a, a group situation, but it was something that I would do. And like, okay. it was definitely a more, I guess, like individual journey because it, I was also in mm-hmm. like a medical settings psychologist office to where there was also like the HIPAA laws. So like, even mm-hmm. if like you're a minor, they can't really tell your parents what you're being talking about. Right. So, um, right. right. So because of that, and I, I would just, anything that I felt like I needed to tell them, I would tell them. But besides that, it was basically a me thing. I just wanted to chime yeah. in real quick, listening to this, Hayden, and I've known your parents before you yeah. were in the womb. And I, <laughs> when this was going on, and you guys had already left, you're already in Florida. Yeah. So I'm not seeing your mom on a mm-hmm. daily, your dad, you know, me and Chad and everyone, we all kind of separated from the auction. And um, and I never, I guess I want to phrase this right. I never doubted mm-hmm. them. I never thought they wouldn't be supportive, but to see how much mm-hmm. love and care and thoughts and questions and acceptance that went into this, I, it oh, just, yeah, for sure. it touched me so much. And I know it was a struggle mm-hmm. for everyone. You know, this is a big thing for your parents. It's a huge thing for you. Um, right. they were just amazing. And to see that type of acceptance and love and support during such mm-hmm. a young age. 
You know, like you said, it was junior mm-hmm. high. You know, a lot of parents sum that up to, oh, it's yeah. a phase. They'll yeah. grow out of right. it. You know, they'll move on. They, they don't even know, you know, what they want. They're going through puberty right now. Like, how are they going to make these big decisions? And your parents were always so, and mm-hmm. still, so supportive. Yeah. It just, I kept thinking, you know, if this was mm-hmm. my kid, you and our son are what, like a year apart? No, think, oh my I God, think... not year apart. You guys yeah. are four years <laughs> a little bit, Four yeah. years but yeah, yeah. But I remember yeah. pictures oh, of yeah. you two, like he took little my sitting in the chair. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. But I just remember thinking like, what if this happens as our mm-hmm. children grow up? And I just so much support and love and acceptance from your parents that I wish and hope that every kid mm-hmm. who goes through these questions could have that kind of support. So shout out to Dr. Mm-hmm. Lori, shout out to your <laughs> exactly. parents. They are the ultimate support system. So round of applause for them. <laughs> so I have all these go questions it, and, I, I, and I really do hope I don't come off insensitive. Yeah, I'm it. just, uh, I'm just curious. So were there any times when, before mm-hmm. you started your transition that you ever questioned yourself in that, am I doing the right thing? Am I mm-hmm. making the right decision? Should I be doing this? Um, should I wait? Because yeah. you were so young. And I... No. <laughs> again, just curiosity. Yeah. Okay. To put it bluntly. Like, no, yeah, and, no. Because... No, yeah. that's fantastic, though. Um, It was... To be completely blunt, it came down to, like, we go with this and we transition or, like... It was just that bad, like, okay. to be honest with you. I was very also, like, depressed at the time, too. And so it was... It, it was definitely an either, like, either-or situation. Mm-hmm. And, like... All okay. of me knew it was, we're doing this yeah. on that side, I guess, to explain mm-hmm. it better. Right. Um, and so, I know you get a lot of people like telling you, especially when you're young and you're doing something like that and like just trying to become like a more truer version of yourself, but people don't really see it as that. Right. I mean, so obviously, granted, a lot of people do see it as that, but there's still a good chunk of the population that just don't. They see it as just like a, a trendy type of thing, even though like, Gender diverse people have been around since like ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Or right. just like LGBTQ people as a whole. Like we have the history for it. There's so many different lovely stories of people that are gender diverse um, that have made history throughout all of history. But it just got wiped from, I guess, the books. It wasn't put into the history books. So people didn't know about it. No. Well, of course it wasn't. Um And so, yeah, a lot of people saw it as like a a trend type of thing. And like, I would see a lot of things on like social media from just like, either just like random pages or even like some of my family's posts kind of dissing the whole thing. Not about me personally, but just about the the subject as a whole type of thing. Um, But did you take it personal? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I mean, for me, if I (laughs) if I were going through (laughs) that and someone in my family were to post something negative it's like to me it's Mm -hmm. like shots fired you're attacking me personally whether you seem to think that you're not that this is as a whole you are attacking me no exactly and that's Mm -hmm. how i always felt and like sometimes i would call them out on it a little bit but then it was just usually met with like well good i could post what i want to post we all have different opinions and i'm just like but 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 (laughs) yeah but do you not understand how this intertwines (laughs) And like how, I don't know about make your family member feel, just a curiosity. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, yeah. I would say things like that. And like, I would take it 
pretty personally. Obviously, granted, because I was 13, and when you're 13, you take everything personally, even if it's not about you. To be honest, like that's right. just how it is. Because everything is about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. Exactly. No, the, the you're 13. Wild age. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so like I would definitely take a lot of things personally. Some things granted that I should have, and that's somewhere it's just like it's a it's a give and a take. Um, but yeah, just overall, I guess to jump back to the original point because. I love to run off on different tangents. Um, no, it was, yeah. I'm like trying to figure out where we started with this question. And so I'm just like, start up like point A, I'm on point E or something like that. Um, yeah. We love that. Because like basically like going back to it, because I saw a lot of people saying things just like, they're going to regret this when they're 50 and can't have children or anything like this. And I'm just like, that's not true one. And then also just like, it's mm -hmm. right. Like, I, I don't even have a word for that, but it was just like, you aren't in someone else's head. Stop yeah. acting like you know what they're experiencing. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, you had a gut feeling of like, yeah. this is truly right. So it makes me wonder, like, have they never had a gut feeling of like, this is I not know. for me or this is for me either way. Right. No, like, exactly. Because I was yeah. I was like five writing things like that in little boxes. Right. I think I right. know. <laughs> yeah. You are it's the like, only one that knows you. To your yeah. core. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's the only person that actually truly knows yourself. Even then, sometimes we don't even know really who we are. But Very you have true. to test some things out right. to try to mm -hmm. get to that level. Yeah. So, and again, I, and I apologize if I come off insensitive. I'm just like, I have all these questions Don't going through my head. It. Yeah. That's what I love to tell people. I am the exact <laughs> same way. I, I would just say, you don't have to overthink anything or like worry about being insensitive because there's only one way to find out, you know? That's true. <laughs> Thank and you. I, and like, I personally anymore don't take a lot of things personally. I've moved past that stage in my life. So like, <laughs> ask away. But I really appreciate oh, yeah. your openness and willingness to mm -hmm. answer the questions that we have. So thank you. Yeah, again. No problem. Um, okay. So going into like the medical portion mm -hmm. of the transition, was it hormone therapy yeah. that, because I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so it's called hormone replacement therapy, which basically. Um, okay. It's it's mostly like irreversible changes, but there are some reversible things if you like went off of it. Um, I did start it pretty young, but that's literally just because like I had said before, it was like either we get going on this thing or like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to like yeah. phrase that right, but it was just like so strong in myself where I was just like, I know this is the right thing. I know I'm not going to regret this. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is going through puberty right mm -hmm. now. Why can't I? Like, mm -hmm. granted, I already was, but like yeah. the right, right puberty, the one puberty. that felt more like what I should be doing mm -hmm. um, or things like that. So I granted, I did start it when I was, it was in 2018. So I think I was almost 15. So it was early on mm -hmm. and I recognize that, but it's not a bad thing because I think a lot of people think that, oh, you shouldn't put children on puberty blockers or like you shouldn't put them on hormone replacement therapy because of X, Y, Z. And I'm just like, you understand that like if a kid really feels the need to do that, it's usually out of like 
dire desperation mm-hmm. to be themselves or else they're going to kick the bucket. Right. Like, that's mm-hmm. just literally how it is. And I feel like people need to understand that more and like be more open to talking about that. Because a lot of people just think it's mm-hmm. just like a choice that parents are coercing their kids into doing yeah. because the kid maybe said something and they want to be like with the times or whatever. I've seen so many things about that on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, the parents, it's the parents' fault. They're doing this. And I'm just like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I had to get... Ooh, I had to get a letter from my psychologist to even get an appointment, like the first appointment with the endocrinologist that was specializing in that. So you had to go through a lot of avenues to even get an appointment. And then even after you get the appointment, you have to get an evaluation by the endocrinologist and the endocrinologist's team. Um, just like endocrinologists, just like the doctor that does the hormones, I guess the endocrine Mm -hmm. system in your body it's where you secrete your hormones in so they have the specialty in that and some of them are like somewhat or like actually specialized in like treating um trans people so yeah i had to get the letter from the psychologist to go then see him and then i had to go see him and then get an evaluation from him and then go back to the psychologist to be like this is what he said and then she had to sign off on it in order to do that um just a lot of hoops for for that and and at that (laughs) Time in Florida, I mean, I'm imagining there wasn't a lot of medical professionals or maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, there was like three in my county that I knew of that actually did that. And I lived in like the biggest, the Mm -hmm. second biggest county in the state, I think, Broward County. You're closer to the south end of Florida, which is more diverse and there's only three. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And granted, luckily, I was able to do all this before all the laws banning it kind of... Mm -hmm put it into place because they didn't really know about it. And then before it got like politicized, it was just something that was actually dealt with medical professionals, which was how it Mm -hmm. should be. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like if you're going to make a decision like that, especially if you're under the age of 18, you should only be consulting medical professionals and not politicians. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Shouldn't be political. Like a lot of things. You don't even know what this is, please. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And then I had to go see him. And, ooh, ooh, was that a traumatic time? We don't like him. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No shout out. No shout out for no him. Shout out. <laughs> I, <laughs> no shout no, out. No, exactly. Um, I had so many issues with this man. Granted, he did help me start like on hormones and he was like my only provider for that until I was 18, I think. I stopped seeing him when I was 18. Um, something like that, like in person. Because this man was weird (laughs) i will put it that way like i had a couple of friends that also went to go see him too and he was also very odd Mm. (laughs) Um, and then i had some other friends that went to go see a different endocrinologist and they didn't have any bad experiences um Mm. i don't even really know how to like put this bluntly but he was the type because granted his office was in like a training children's hospital, like a teaching children's hospital. So people that were in like med school, mm-hmm. they would go to this hospital to kind of learn how to, you know, do the residency and all that stuff. But his like one of his requirements to starting hormones was like a full body exam, which no other endocrinologist oh. actually does, it turns out. 
Um, <laughs> mm. Man. He, he would say he would do one thing and then do another with multiple people in the room. So I was just like, great. Uh, it's lovely. Uh, Don't like oh him. My God, um, no. I won't get into the disturbing details of that yeah. exam. But um, yeah, he yeah. would do that to other people that I knew too. And then we would like talk to our other friends that were saying different endocrinologists about, you know, the exam. Mm. And they were always so confused. They're like, uh, that's not a thing that they did. But we were told it was a required thing to get onto oh hormones, but that wasn't the case. Not quite sure I understand why the requirement. So that is very yeah. strange. Yeah. I was like, how could no one else strange. is doing this? And I was just so uncomfortable with him for that reason and so many other reasons. He just had right. no also like understanding of personal boundaries mm. or like yeah. things that are normal to ask. Like he would he was just really curious about like the trans youth body, which was horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely mm. shouldn't have his licensing, pra- like registration license or whatever it's called, but like the thing that doctors have that make them doctors. Um, <laughs> but shouldn't now, be on the board. Shouldn't be on the board. Yeah. Now, no. But there yeah. was a lot of other great ones in the area that I'm glad that my friends got to go see. Um, yeah. I, I saw him instead, which was like, I don't know. It was just, it would be so much work to try to go to another doctor yeah. for that too yeah because the system the system out. is so ridiculously hard to get through especially if you're under 18 even if you're over 18 it's a lot harder than i feel like it should be because like i i fully mm-hmm. understand going to like see a psychologist first and mm-hmm. so like it's also just good because like it causes you so much anxiety and depression and so much other related tr- like social trauma you should be going to see a therapist i feel mm-hmm. like because like there's no harm in talking to somebody if you have the right somebody to talk to granted because there's a lot of therapists that, like i said before my first psychologist or therapist or whatever she was was definitely not the vibe yeah. um but i definitely it, it mm-hmm. doesn't hurt and i feel like i don't know mental health is so stigmatized especially for children yeah and so right like people like you say like oh to say out loud like your kids in therapy a lot of people kind of like cringe at that but i'm just like it's Mm -hmm. it's 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 okay i promise you like it's it's a good Mm -hmm. thing it like a lot of great things can come out of that and like you can get a way better like understanding of like yourself and how like the world is around you and I know it truly helped me a lot. And I know a lot of other friends of mine that were like in therapy as a kid that really helped them to be like the person who they are today. Um, But as long as it's like a supportive therapist, because some people go to medical professionals where it just makes them feel worse. And that's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't really. Counterproductive. I've I've had that experience with therapists as well as as my child. So. Um, I understand exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. And, you know, some therapists just aren't right. for you as no. a person. It takes a while mm-hmm. to to connect with someone. Exactly. Like the only therapist I've actually really connected to is the one I saw when I was 14. Um, but then like some things happened where I, I like I couldn't go see her anymore or whatever. Um, and since then, I've tried to get like in and out of therapy for the last mm-hmm. five ish years. And I still mm-hmm. haven't found another person mm-hmm. like her. Like it's seriously like a real like trial and error type of situation. But when you it do is. find the right person, oh oh my, so many good things come out yeah. of that. And I feel like life changing. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, exactly. life changing. We should talk about that. Are a you? More. So do you have to 
continue to take hormones for the rest of your life or is it a... Um, so I've actually been off of hormones for the past year and a half. Um, nice. I was just like always kind of just in it. Like I never wanted to be on it for my whole life. I just mm-hmm. wanted to get the changes out of it that I felt best suited, like the inside me on the outside mm-hmm. me, to, I guess, yeah. to kind of match it up a mm-hmm. bit better. Um, so it was never something I really like wanted to do for the rest of my life. I just knew like at some point in the next like handful of years, I would like stop it when I was good with that just because I, I don't know, I, I was on it for mm, four years, I think. Mm-hmm. and you know, got everything I wanted out of that. But I was also in so much pain because I could only, I only had the option to me to do the injections for that. Mm. And when you do it for four years and there's only certain spots you could do it in because there's two different types of, there's only two different types of injections you could do for hormones or just injections in general. There's like subcutaneous, which is under the skin or there's like intramuscular, which is in the muscle. Um, but mine was always subcutaneous, so it was always right under the skin, but that creates so much scar mm. tissue. Oh. And so, and there was only mm. a certain amount of spots where I could do it because like, I just didn't have, I guess, just like that much fat on my body. So like I had to find certain places to where it would work. But when you do it in the same spot every single week for four years, that hurts (laughs) after a certain amount of like scar tissue buildup. And I was just like, well, I'm happy with how I look. I'm comfortable in myself. I am great continuing on in this world and this hurts. So I think I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's basically how how that decision went down in my head. Granted, I didn't go off of it the right way. You should do this with a medical professional. Mm. There's a chance I didn't would highly recommend not to do that. It was fine for me, but I know for a lot of people, quitting something cold turkey like that is no bueno. Don't do it. Yeah. Highly recommend against it. I was just 19 and fed up. And (laughs) and I was just like, (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. And plus, I had just gotten so like spacey, I guess, with when I was doing my injections. I was supposed to be doing it like, I think every other week was my thing. Like every two weeks, I would do one. Um, but I just genuinely, because I was now happy with myself and didn't really feel like I needed anything more, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. But that also means that I forgot that I had to do them <laughs> at certain times. So there was be like, they were just so all over the place and like, oh, it was not good, <laughs> not good. So in a sense, <laughs> you did kind of wean yourself off. I would have to say so. You know what? That makes me feel a lot better. We're going to go with your explanation. <laughs> We're going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, I slowly went off of it um, subconsciously. Because <laughs> every once in a while they were like, oh, maybe yeah, I, I would see yeah. it. And I would see in like my college dorm bathroom and be like, oh, whoops, it's been oh. a month. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just stopped. <laughs> Do you feel that like if you feel later that you may need more hormone therapy will you go back on it like is that something that um, you can do oh you, you definitely can yeah you're you're allowed to go on and off granted i wouldn't recommend doing that so often just because your hormone levels also control how your like brain works and could really cause like a lot mm-hmm. of anxiety and depression if your hormones right. are always up and down mm-hmm. all over the place um that could do some real damage in your brain but like um like I could, I don't see myself doing it though. Okay. Pers- personally, okay. I think 
think I'm set. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so there's also other procedures yeah. that can be a, an option mm-hmm. for a person who identifies as transgender to progress along their journey. Yeah. Have there been other procedures that you have gone through that yeah. you want to um, discuss? I've only been through like, yeah. I've only been through like one other. I got top surgery, which is basically just a double mastectomy that's done more under like a plastic surgeon um, mm-hmm. rather than like a, um, ooh, what's it called? Most people that obviously get mastectomies are people that are diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what that doctor is called that deals with cancer. Oncologist? Oh, um, an oncologist? Yeah, an oncologist. So I know sometimes a lot of those procedures are done with like an oncologist specialist for that mm-hmm. um, to make sure that they like actually get like the cancer out. Um, but for me, I had to go through more of like a plastic surgeon type of route um, just because mm-hmm. it was, I guess, while for me, it was medically necessary at that point, it was still seen as like a cosmetic procedure. Mm. like (laughs) which i don't necessarily even though it was medically net yeah like even my psychologist was just like this needs to happen (laughs) like like yeah well obviously she didn't say that first i said it first and then she did her doctor Mm -hmm. stuff and was just like yes (laughs) this is probably the best (laughs) route of medical treatment because it was seen more for me at least it was just the things that i like went through medically were just out of necessity and was mainly done under the supervision of medical professionals and so she decided that was also medically necessary and that was a crazy journey to get that signed off oh my goodness because not only i was gonna ask yeah yeah. well because not only how hard is it very (laughs) um (laughs) well because again i was also young um for me, mm-hmm. um, I guess I I got it when I was almost 16. So I was 15, which I know a lot of people go, ooh, that is way too young for like, like we like we talked about before, you should wait until you're 18 type of thing. But mm-hmm. it, it was, as I said before, medically necessary. And I don't regret it mm-hmm. one bit. And it's five years later. So I think we're good here. Yeah. Um, yep, I right. think we did the right mm-hmm. option <laughs> um, <laughs> because I was just like so miserable. And like, I remember something my dad said right when they got the final sign off that this was happening thing. He said he noticed a change of behavior almost instantly, which was cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, going from very like down in the dumps, depressed, staying in my room the whole day because I'm so self-conscious for even my family to see me to being like, Hello, like getting more like cheerful, I guess, just kind of, which is cool. But the actual process to get to that, oh, wild. Um, It was basically kind of like the same with like the endocrinologist thing of having to first get the letter from a psychologist, again, go see the plastic surgeon to then go back to the psychologist to get the check off on his signature so that there's clear communication between the mental health and the physical health kind of levels Mm -hmm. of things, I guess. Um, And then once you like then had like your consultation with the surgeon. I'm actually really glad that the psychological piece, the mental piece of it has been there in every step Mm -hmm. because I think for anyone, you really want to make sure this is what you want to do. Not, I mean, you could always Mm -hmm. get implants later if you decided to go back, but I was just really curious how involved it got because in my simple brain, 
breasts, while they're important, Mm -hmm. have a function later in life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't need it for that possible function later, then Mm -hmm. to me, it's like a my body, my choice. Yeah. I shouldn't be an issue for you. But mm-hmm. I am glad to hear that they are, you know, making sure that mentally you're not only prepared to make this decision, but physically you're ready to accept mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Exactly. Because so, it is a big um, change. It is important. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, I think it could be a little bit easier. Yeah. Personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they needed to do everything that they did. Um, just like there was, mm-hmm. it, it took, it took so long from just getting like the first part of the psychologist being like, okay, to then actually getting the surgery. It took quite yeah. a minute. Um, I don't remember the exact time frame, but I remember like I had to give you like an idea. I had my consultation. I think sometime in the very beginning of February in 2019. And then my surgery wasn't until like middle of June. Like, cause granted that's pretty fast. I know sometimes the wait list for doing that can stretch up to like years, especially in like other countries too. Like while the, in my personal opinion, the American healthcare system sucks it is definitely a Absolutely. lot. Yeah, it is in some ways better than other countries, especially when it comes to wait lists for like gender identity related procedures. Because like with how our healthcare system works versus, for instance, like what I've seen most of is of trans content creators in like England. And so they have like a public healthcare system but they also mm-hmm. can go through other agencies privately, which costs a lot more money. And you can't, I don't think, use insurance with that. But publicly, mm-hmm. it's like technically it would be free. But right now, the wait list to get like top surgery on like the public system in England, last I saw, was about like five to eight years. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So that's a long time it literally could be the difference for someone between like life and death because like literally if you like before you even get onto the wait list to get surgery that's like the part that comes after the wait list to get a consultation which usually it takes about one to two years um Uh and that's all if you're above 18 for if you're under 18 that's a whole different story too that it's like twice as long oh my god which is because there's like not that many medical professionals that like know too much about it to be able to take it on with like ethical care and like due diligence. Um, right. So me waiting a handful of months, honestly, wasn't that mm-hmm. bad, but like it can for a lot of people go a lot faster than that. Um, right. So like, I'm not in any way complaining cause it could be what's happening over in England right now, but it still yeah, took right. like a long time, like from, well, I mean, yeah. even for, for my husband, just to get hip surgery, yeah. it took about four or five months exactly. like of scheduling. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to me, it sounds like it went fairly quick. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, it's between life mm-hmm. and death. Yeah. There's a mental aspect to that and that I don't know if they're taking that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like I, I went to go see in Plantation, Florida, Dr. Mm-hmm. Russell Sasani, which is like one of like the top, top surgeons in 
America. So I was really lucky to live like 15 minutes from his office, which is great for me. Um, Because a lot of people literally fly from like all over like the country and all over the world to go see this guy. Um, But he was just in my backyard. So I was luckily able to go see him. And he was fantastic. Would recommend. Um, he he shout out shout out yeah. Dr. <laughs> shout out Dr. Sasani. Um, lovely yeah. man. There's my resource for anybody that would like a recommendation. <laughs> I would say probably him because he like not only produces like really great aesthetic results, but he's also just a really kind man. He's very quiet, but like in a sweet way. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know how to describe it. Like he has a good energy to him, um, which was nice. But yeah, it took, and most of those months that I was waiting also was basically also with his office and my insurance company going back mm, and forth oh, yeah. between Absolutely. what they could cover and what they couldn't cover. Because it's not listed as like a medical procedure, it's listed as like a cosmetic procedure. Insurance doesn't really cover it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, which big picture, big, big picture it, they should. Big picture yeah, as, they should. As yours. As your psychologist said, medically necessary yeah, yeah. Some, for mental well-being. Yeah. Like, Some insurance companies do cover that nowadays, but most don't, especially not when I was getting it, which was like only yeah. four years ago. But it's still, like I said before, the timeline and progress for this specific issue is yeah. very early. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So it was just back and forth between psychologists, surgeon, surgeon's office, his secretaries, the insurance company for just like, it was so stressful. <laughs> but yeah. you know what? It got done. Yeah. But it yeah. Got done. It got done. And that was the only like thing I've had and the only thing I plan on getting. I'm pretty good with my, yeah. with myself now, which is great. <laughs> so mentally now, because you were in such a dark place mm-hmm. prior to your transition and um, you're in a much better place now. Yeah. <laughs> you're, Night and day. You're happy with yourself and with oh, yeah. who you are. Yeah. I'm like a, compl- I would say personally, and like, I've had this conversation with my parents too. Like I am a completely different person in the good way which is always nice <laughs> to hear very positive changes right because like like i said before i was a complete hermit crab basically i didn't go outside i didn't talk to anybody i had like one or two friends for like seven years in school like i just it wasn't mm-hmm. i didn't go to no clubs i didn't talk in class i didn't do none of that now I can't shut up <laughs> and I'm happy about it. <laughs> like I now like in comparison to how like just like the difference between schooling from let's say like eighth grade to like last semester when I was in my second year of college, um, night and day, night and day. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So speaking of college, oh. I know Jamie wanted to get into oh. this. I'm so okay. ready for this part. Jamie, go for it. <laughs> well. I really, before our time is up and we do still have some more time, I really want to touch on your advocacy work, mm-hmm. your um, your experience at New College, mm-hmm. which for everyone that maybe isn't up to date with the political nonsense happening in Florida, um, New College is more north, correct? It's more north Florida? Um, it is like middle Florida. It's in Sarasota, Florida. Middle Florida. Which is about an hour south of Tampa and about an hour and a half 
west of Orlando. That so area. I remember when your mom called and said, oh, you know, I, I mean, I have the picture of you on our fridge with your new oh. college T-shirt on. You've been accepted and you were so excited mm-hmm. to find this school yeah. because they are smaller. Very. And they do focus. <laughs> a, there's a big part of the school that has the divert. Well, had the diverse. Oh, um, yeah. Past tense nowadays. Program. So I did want to touch on that because that's a huge part of your advocacy work. Yeah for the community. So um, tell us a little bit about your experience at New College. For sure. Um, So (laughs) New College of Florida is Florida's only public liberal arts honors college. So there's a lot of things going into that school. So it's public, which means that tuition is really low and accessible for a lot of students in the state of Florida. They're also an honors college, so they have higher level academics. We don't have too many introduction classes. They just kind of expect you to know that. Usually, um, honors colleges tend to be like the kids that take AP classes and um, high school, just people that are very focused on the academics in college rather than everything else that goes into college. Um, We were not Mm -hmm. a sports school. I guess kind of we are now, and I'll get into that because it grinds my gears. Um, it is also a liberal arts school, so it was very um, unique in that way in which we didn't have grades, which I know surprises a lot of people when I say that, but hold on. So, <laughs> so we, we didn't have grades, but we did have something called a narrative evaluation. So instead of at the very end of the semester, when you get your final quote unquote grade for a class, which is literally just a single letter that tells you not much about what you did in that class, at the end of every semester, we would get like three to five paragraphs from each professor instead on what you did well, what you need more help on, resources to find where you can grow in the field that you are in. Um, we had, it was basically a a pass fail system type of thing though, um, instead of grades. So it was pass fail with a narrative evaluation, which told me so much more in one semester than a whole four years worth of like English in, in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. so we didn't have grades. So that was the one part of the liberal arts part. And also the fact that we didn't have majors, we had areas of concentration, So you would be getting like a bachelor's of arts in liberal arts degree, but your degree would also say what you concentrated in for that liberal arts degree. Mm -hmm. And it could literally be whatever you want, which is great. So you're not confined to like, you have to take all these classes plus like the basic fundamental classes. Like if you're like an art student, you don't have to take like college calculus or something like that because- What's that going to do for you? Okay. That type of thing, which was pretty cool. It sounds like a wonderful college. Oh, it Uh, was. It was literally like America's little hidden gem. We produced out of our school of 600 kids, literally 600 people, and like only 450 or somewhere of those lived on campus. Like it was a small school. We produced the most like Fulbright scholars than any other college in the nation. Because we are so oh like academically focused to really succeed. And we really pressed on finding new research and new ways of doing things, like really harnessing like innovation spirit, which was really great. Um, very proud to have gone there for when I did. But um, spoiler alert, I had to transfer out from this lovely little school that I found um, because fascism. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I don't know really how else to put that. That's literally what has happened. Um, so yeah, our school has always been 
really quirky. We started out in the year 1960, and new college students have always been activists. So not only has they've been such a strong focus on academics, but also what you're doing for your social community, which is lovely. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, like during the segregation and desegregation era in Sarasota, Florida, new college students really took the charge on desegregating Sarasota. Um, there was a moment when they finally started to desegregate the schools and African-American kids going into like white schools. And a lot of the teachers apparently in Sarasota at the formerly white only schools quit because they were being desegregated. And so, for instance, like new college students, they went to go teach at those schools while they're being students so that everyone could have an education. Mm-hmm. Um, or they used to do like this protest in the 60s and 70s on waiting in the ocean because we were right on Sarasota Bay. Um or like the beach, I guess, coastline. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had segregated beaches, but they would cross that boundary and just go have a swim with everybody and, you know, get arrested, obviously, while doing that. But just taking the charge and trying to desegregate that area of Florida. And so that's kind of how New College students started out. And that's how we've always kind of been. Um, very prominent in like the peace rights movement for during like the Vietnam War or like the women's rights movements, always going to DC to like, protests and stuff like that. Um, so we've always been very social and like activist and definitely not the quiet type of sort. And so um, it's always just kind of been known. And our school is also very queer. Like there's um, like the predominant student population is a part of like the LGBTQ community. I honestly mm-hmm. am not saying this to be funny. I really didn't know any straight, like like a handful of straight people at New College. It was just like it was basically just like the queer safe haven of Florida schools, um, mm-hmm. and so that's how that school was. Um, and then Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, found out about all of this and was not having it. And um, on January sixth, he chose that date in particular the insurrection date in American mm-hmm. history. Yep. Mm-hmm. On January 6th yep. of this year, he decided to overflow our board of trustees with his far-right allies and his personal friends. Um, the board of trustees at colleges basically make most of the decisions for what happens at that school. Um, we never really had any issues with board of trustees. While our school has always been very, I would say, more like democratically liberal, progressive type of school, our board of trustees has always been fairly conservative, but nothing like what they're doing now. They're more like fiscal conservatives, but now we're talking Mm -hmm. people that are literally friends proudly with some members of the Proud Boys type of people on our board now. Um, Since January at New College, they completely closed down our diversity, equity, and inclusion, our DEI office, which supplied a lot of scholarships to students that were going to that school. Um, But just because of the name that it had, it was immediately taken down and they fired our chief DEI officer without cause. And Z is like gender nonconforming and very outwardly and proudly so. And so that was a reason enough for them to get fired. And they fired our first female college president, also really without cause. They also fired our very outwardly proud gay librarian, seemingly also without cause. 
they uh, have basically just shut down anything that ever is just in any way seen as inclusive or progressive. They don't even believe in the term DEI because they think that's quote unquote racist because you're favoring minority students over white students, which literally makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so, you know, that whole like racism against white people type of thing is basically what they're aiming at mm-hmm. or like prioritizing. Like, uh, it was just so crazy. And I'm at New College. I had been very active in my community um, in this past semester for the student government. I was the co-chair of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I worked very closely with the department that was shut down. I had also been this past semester the residential advisor, so like the RA for our queer hall, like our dormitory that housed mainly. Well, again, like I said before, like most of the school is LGBTQ, but I basically was Mm -hmm. in charge of running the hall that did the programming for those students that wanted to live in that type of space that focused on events that were available to them in that type of way. Mm -hmm. So I was the RA for that dorm. And then in the past, prior to this semester, I had been the president and past vice president for the queer club and also the co-president for our Hillel group on campus. And um, yeah, so safe to say my job got a little bit tricky this semester because they also mm-hmm. shut down the pride dorm. But that's a funny story. Really? Because yeah. So um, in June, after everybody had left campus, they changed the pride dorm. So Pride Dorm was basically a part of this group called LLCs. So they're called Living Learning Communities. So it was specific residential halls on campus that had a theme to them and that had more Mm -hmm. programming specific to that theme if you lived in that hall rather than just regular boarding. And in June, um, we noticed on the website, the New College of Florida website, that they had changed the name of Pride Hall, but they hadn't changed any other dorm on there they changed it to the great books or great works hall or whatever which is basically them trying to go back like because the new administration at new college is really trying to stride and take on this whole like prioritizing western classic civilization type of thing just like you know white history basically yeah their new thing and so that's what that dorm was going to actually be turned into was something focusing on Western civilization, classic novels or something like that, which of makes no sense because we have like a no. writing and reading dorm already. So that didn't really make sense to begin with. But also the fact that they knowingly like changed the outwardly gay hall. Yeah. But no mm-hmm. other hall. Mm-hmm. And yeah. eventually they just ended up shutting down all of the LLCs last month because they ran into a housing issue because they kept pushing this thing like, oh, we're going to bring in the most enrollment that new college has ever seen. Um, Completely lowered the acceptance standards to get in. Our school is now basically half made up of like white Christian male students um, that play sports because they're trying to turn new college into a sports school make it have like frat houses and all that basically turn into like UF or FSU. Because we need another one. Yeah, we need another totally. one. There's not enough of those in this country. No, exactly. So they're trying to turn it into like the next like liberal arts FSU or UF or something like that. 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, you used to need to have like a 3.5 GPA at least to get into new college. And now they're making it like 2.5. So it's not even like an honors college anymore. It's just a public Florida college now right. that's like under the guise of liberal arts. Um, they last month even decided they were going to start the process to terminate the gender studies department. <sighs> yeah. I remember you told me that. I know. I was like, can you believe what all this stuff is <sighs> happening? Because it's literally like they the also, the Satan for real, like <laughs> they have passed like some other laws in Florida that like you can't teach anything that is basically about it. Obviously, it didn't read it like this because it would have been obvious illegal. They do a lot of things that are illegal, but they haven't really been caught for it quite yet. Um, but like you can't teach about race or gender or sexuality or if you have a different religion than christianity like judaism or islam or things like that like if it's like teaching about like real history and like support of a minority group essentially in florida you can't do anymore at a public university um to give you an idea so it's so ridiculous yeah remember that I, i think i sent it to you and your mom from instagram the last one i saw was DeSantis was pushing for the schools to teach about slavery, mm-hmm. how it taught African-Americans work ethics. Yeah. So it gave them skills. Yeah. So they should look at it as a benefit. Yeah. Public. This is the crazy man in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Public middle school teachers are required to teach that slavery had some benefits. Can you believe that? Yeah. I'm like, under what? They got. <laughs> yeah. They were taught working skills. Oof. Yeah. Um, our elementary kids are going to, or not ours, but the ones in Florida are going to learn that. Yeah. The ones coming into it, they have to learn it. Cause they're, yeah. But basically what yeah. they're doing to new college essentially is it's supposed to be something that DeSantis cannot use for his presidential campaign, basically mm-hmm. yep. to show that exactly he made it. this really queer, progressive, democratic, or like how he likes to say our communist socialist school or whatever like that. There was air quotes on Mm -hmm. that um, (laughs) for those listening, Um, that he can turn it into like whatever he's trying to make it basically and just be like, look what I can do. I can do this for all public universities if you elect me. That's basically what he's Mm -hmm. doing. But it's just. So where are you now? Indiana. (laughs) <laughs> I <laughs> I have decided to take a gap semester. I was supposed to transfer to a school in New okay. York, um, Sarah Lawrence. I had a couple friends oh. that went there. And so I was supposed to go there because I got accepted and they gave me a full ride. And so I was just like, yes, let's go. But then I had a moment in July where I was just realized and fully came to terms how emotionally beat I was mm-hmm. and that I need I need to put a pause on this for a moment because that was such a taxing mm-hmm. couple of months right um, because I with the jobs that I held I was like literally like we were all on the front lines for that fight that was happening mm-hmm. for educational mm-hmm. freedom um, because we were a public arts school that was now being told what we can and cannot study, which, I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at the history books, basically what that ends up turning into when you tell people what they can't read anymore or things like that, it goes down a very dark path mm-hmm. in human rights history. And also for those who aren't in Florida and maybe, you know, don't watch the news a whole lot, mm-hmm. there was a lot of media. Oh my gosh. Um, you were being contacted by a lot of reporters. Yeah. Every day. Add the work you were trying to do with the advocacy and, and you know, protesting and doing this. Mm-hmm. But 
the media circus around this. So you were getting calls and Jamie. Yeah. It was insane. I could understand why you need a break. No, exactly. Because (laughs) mind you, all of this was happening while we were still supposed to be going to our classes, while we are still (laughs) Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing our midterms, our finals, some people graduating that semester having to do their thesis project. Um, because at New College, you're required as a senior to do a senior project thesis, which is basically writing a book on something that you've decided to research and do um, alongside a handful of faculty members. Um, yeah, they denied also all of our faculty that was up for tenure this year. They denied them tenure, which basically means now they have like, well, to be fair, these faculty were up a year early, which should also say something that if you're able to meet your tenure requirements a year early, like you're pretty golden. Um, yeah. These were very like diverse individuals and they denied them all tenure, which basically means they can reapply next year. But most of them are leaving because it basically just mm-hmm. showed them that they're not wanted and that they're probably not going to get tenure again next year. Um, and basically tenure yeah. for professors is like if you go up for tenure and you are denied tenure, you have one year left at that school before you are forced to leave. Is basically how that is. Oh. Um, and so, yeah. New College was such a small, quiet campus. And when I tell you every day our school was surrounded by like police from not even campus police, but outward city police, just news reporter everywhere, CNN going up to everybody, Uh, like Fox was there a couple of times, MSNBC, like it was a lot of people there, like New York Post, I spoke to a couple of times. Um, This game reached out a lot too because of my position as co-chair of DEI, especially when they closed the DEI office, mm-hmm. people were like, what? Yeah. How, how are you guys proceeding? And I was just like, I don't know. None of us expected this. We had so many plans, like my fellow co-chair and I, for that semester, that just totally just, we were not able to do anymore because it went mm-hmm, from, right. let's see what fun celebratory events we can put on for our students to get them through this last little part of the academic year. Because it's a very like hard, rigorous academic school to go to. So we were just like, we need to do like uplifting stuff. We were really focusing on community advocacy and like um, really spreading like joy of like each identity. And it changed that from going from, okay, what joy-based activities and events can we put on for these fellow students to then just like, okay, how do we make sure we are able to even support students now without literally any resources anymore because like that's how we were going right. to put on those events was by working with like the dei office and all that and all of a sudden there is no office and we have to figure out because the amount of different difficult conversations i had to have with students whether at our office hours or just by people like passing by because we all know each other because again it's a really tiny school so everyone knows everybody which is right. you know could go <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> Pros can and be cons. good and bad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when everybody knows everybody um but it just like the amount of difficult conversations i would have to students being like i don't know if i could be here anymore but i don't have the money to go to any other school it was just like it's too uh, like dangerous and emotionally taxing for me to even go to a class right now with everything happening but i need my degree so i can like help my family get out of like poverty to like go into a profession that pays well, but I can't go to any other school, like those types of conversations Uh being held with people. And I think in the last board of trustees meeting, because they were all public um, under like what's called the sunshine law, which basically means if you're having any like public official 
type of level meeting that in some ways in relation to the government, you have to live stream it or open it up for public comment. It can't be business to do in private. And so each of our board of trustees meetings, because we're a public university, which means we're being run by the state of Florida, they would be broadcasted. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it literally went from the semester prior to the fall semester of people never watching these meetings. Like literally nobody would show up. They would last maybe 15 minutes to get through all their business to now being like, there are thousands of people inside and outside both thousands of people watching online, taking three hours to get through this meeting. One of them took like four hours. Um to like try to get through this because what? they have to have everybody that's up for public comment that signed up for it speak. And that usually took two hours mm. to get through because people who just had a lot to say to these new board of trustees members as they rightfully should. And the last um, board of trustees meeting, my co-chair and I, we registered to say something basically as like our departing thing because they were going off um, to do off-campus research study for this next semester. So they it was like their last time being at New College too. And at that point, I already pretty much knew I was transferring out. So we're like, you know what? We haven't really been able to say like too much as being in the, like the student government because we want to make sure that what we are saying in our position is also not going to accidentally harm somebody else in their position because yeah. we don't want to make it seem like, oh, this person's doing too much or they're doing too little, whatever just based off of like what our job was and like kind of how that worked. Cause you know, it sounds like, Oh, like student government, a little like student fun activity thing. But when it goes to like the university level, especially in such a media spotlight like that, it becomes a pretty serious job. I'm not going to lie. Like it was quite crazy yeah. doing all this stuff. Cause like all of a sudden we're doing like media training and it was just like, Whoa, <laughs> what's happening here? Um, we just yeah. wanted to put on right. some celebratory diverse events. And now here we are speaking in front of thousands of people on why like suppressing educational freedom is bad and why you not wanting to uplift certain people's voices is harmful type of thing. And so we got to speak. Um, we were trying to do like a joint speech together, but for some reason we weren't able to. So I read one half of it and then they read the other half. Um, we had like one minute to speak and mm-hmm. At that point, when I was speaking to them, I knew that basically I wasn't coming back to New College. I thought maybe there was a chance I would still stick around there. But when I was in the middle of the speech and saying the things that I was saying, and I was looking around at these board of trustee members, and only two of them were looking at me, and the other ones were just doing whatever else they wanted, playing with their pen, checking their phone, flipping through some notes, not paying attention the slightest. I'm like, okay, this is a lost cause, basically. I'm right. done. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, I went, okay, mm-hmm. we're done. <laughs> I was able to see your speech. I think yeah. it was on your mom's feed, mm-hmm. um, but it, very powerful and, and mm-hmm. you know, very proud of you. Thank I you. mean, to be able to go up there and do that, that was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, it was basically at that moment where I was just like, this isn't going to change. And that's not me trying Mm -hmm. to just be like sadistic or anything. It's just like it has gone really far down deep at this point that the school is at right now. They have put in some changes where I don't even know how they're going to come back from that. Or like the administration is just so jam packed of like far right allies and people of that nature where I just I don't personally see I'm sorry to end yeah. that, that story on like no, such a sad but... note, but it's just, that's just the 
reality of that situation. And right. if it could happen to like our school, it could happen to literally any other school in the country, yeah, which yeah. is why I think it's important to talk about because it is possible for a school to go from anywhere once like how it, new college used to always be to like where it is now and it's such a drastic change and literally what is it september so like in literally eight to nine months it has completely yeah. not even recognizable anymore i went there two weeks ago actually um to get my stuff out of storage so i went to florida for my 20th birthday so to go see my friends um and just to like hang out with them one more time but some of them still lived on new college campus because they still go there and so i had to walk onto that campus again and it just was so unrecognizable they've like painted all the color that was on all of our buildings to like this weird white color now and like i don't know you could feel that it has not even just like physically but energy wise with like yeah. Like even like Shifting. with like the new students who are there too, just the vibe is completely different. And I was just like, yeah, I think I made the right choice. But I'm still right trying decision. to do yeah. whatever I can still, even from afar, to help out with that school still. Like I'm still working with some professors and faculty members to try to help bring these like administration discriminatory acts to justice and trying to see how I could still support students and all that stuff. Yeah. Even from mm-hmm. Indiana. <laughs> Gotta do whatever you can. Do yeah. Can. Yeah. So everything that happened in Florida, obviously, and that is going on is, um, again, like you said, it's not just limited to new college. Mm-mm. It mm-hmm. literally could happen anywhere at any time. And the fact that they're taking away um, the freedom of education and, and what you should be learning and what you can be learning in those opportunities is just tragic. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of of you. and the students down there for the advocacy work you've been doing for that school, but totally understand why you need a break too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. You had your time there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And I think you'll forever be embedded with the school somehow. Oh, for with, sure. Um, I still love it dearly, even in yeah. all of its incredible faults. The old new college is how I like to think of it, which is kind of funny to say the old new. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. And you I'm thrived. Proud. I remember. Yeah, I remember talking to your mom when you went off to school mm-hmm. and a few months into it and she just kept saying how you're just you're thriving mm-hmm. down there. Yeah. Like you had found your element. Yeah, I found my the, people. This was your people. Mm-hmm. So it was very tragic to hear um oh, yeah. the ongoing issues down there. Yeah, so but there's still thank you for what you've done. They're still fighting the good fight down there, which is good. Yeah. They won't just let it slip away. Unfortunately, we are on a on a, a clock here. It's been great. I do want to give you the opportunity to share mm-hmm. with our listeners um, any messages, any important notes that you think need to be put out there for our community. Yeah. Basically, just include others, accept others for who they are, and not only just accept them, but also celebrate them. Because mm-hmm. diversity in a community is so incredibly strong and powerful people from all different types of races genders religions sexualities um literally everything under the sun someone has a different perspective than you and someone has a different opinion whether or not you agree with it or not um i think it's still really important to listen to it because you might learn something new and it might give you the opportunity to grow as an individual and only from accepting one another and collaborating with one another and just having conversations with people 
just asking mm-hmm. a question, like what we're doing here now, you could mm-hmm. learn so much about something that you had no idea about or something maybe that was quite stigmatized that now you have a better grasp and understanding of. And only like through human diversity and celebrating others and not trying to tear each other down for just being a little bit different than you. I feel like it's definitely the key to advancing a society because love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Equals because peace. love wins. Yeah. Love yeah. does win. <laughs> yes. Love does win. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I am just so thankful for you being here. We're all so grateful mm-hmm. for yes. you sharing your journey and your experiences and your thoughts. And I just, Thank you for having me. I love you. I love you, Jamie. I love you. you. Oh my goodness. I just, I love you. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you guys. And I'm still going to let Christy take us out because I don't know how to say all those words at the end. Um, And I will definitely screw it up. Okay. All right. I'll take it from here. Uh, Thank you for joining us on this episode of a witch, a mystic and a feminist. It has been a pleasure. Please go to wmfpod.com. You can see all of our past episodes. You can interact with us, ask us a question, any of those things, get some more information on your hosts and we will see you next week.